podcast. My name is Kim, I am your host, and this is your place to be if you're an educator in New Zealand who's wondering about basically what's going off with their career. What options have you got out there and how can you access them? How can you manage yourself to get over your brain chimps, kick them to the side and just start tapping into exactly what it is that you want to do for yourself and your career? And on today's episode, I've got a really special guest and I realise I do say that about everyone. I think it's because I just love people and everybody's special to me. Oh dear, what a teacher sentence. Anyway, moving on. Jess's story is quite interesting because she started out in hospitality when she first moved to New Zealand and she had to deal with a bit of toxicity and not quite the right fittiness and a bit of mental headspace to try and work out exactly what she wanted to do. And she's ended up where she is today, being her own boss and being a contractor. So listen along, get some really cool insight and tips from her on how you can do the same if you want to. It's a really empowering journey and a really strong story. And as you're listening along, you're gonna be waiting for the element of the story where she's like, and then I became a teacher and it was like this. Well, you're not actually gonna get that bit with this story because she has never been a teacher. The goal that you're gonna get from this story is learning about how to get into different industries, but then also how to do transitions, how to wrap your head around toxic work environments and actually do something about it and how to organize yourself and create yourself an exit strategy paying attention to all the vital parts of your life like finances money is important and it's not talked about enough welcome to the podcast jess thank you happy to be here good be awkward if you weren't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awesome. So we were talking a bit before about your career and Jess has had a really interesting career in that she's made some really cool changes throughout her journey and her career timeline. Where did it start, Jess? Let us in because I feel like the listeners are going to relate a lot to what you went through. Even though the careers are completely different, it's the transition stories that I think were going to be really interesting and insightful for us. Yeah, so um, I suppose actually I should say I did start with getting a degree, which was in maths, but you'll notice everything I talk about, nothing in it is, is related to a degree in maths. So that's that's sort of by the by. That happened. And then um, when I was 23, I moved to New Zealand. And then when I moved to Rotorua, I um applied for a job which was at a catering company that was it was a hospitality job but it was monday to friday it was um as their sales rep so unfortunately with the catering company which they brought me on mainly to organize the big weddings and stuff they decided to stop doing big weddings and stuff and i was made redundant which i was very upset about because it was it was like my dream job because I got I got free food and <laughs> and coffee. <laughs> Let's stay with um, this catering company role for now. And can you tell us a little bit about what this role was and what your day to day was and what it looked like? Just in case there's anybody out there that's like, oh, I think I really want to get into events. I could be a wedding planner. Yeah, it was 
what would it it was like? very cool so the wedding side of it was i worked from uh, worked with the brides and grooms from from the very start so they came to me and what's really good is that people generally only ever plan a wedding once <laughs> and so so most of them are organizing this sort of having never organized something on that scale before so my job was just to walk them through how it actually works and so it was it was choosing the food the style of food and everything like that but you go through all the timings and like working out when the speeches happen with everything and the sort of how to incorporate the wedding cake, whether they want it eaten there as part of the meal and just all sorts of things that that fit in and like serving canapes and like there is so much to plan for a wedding. And so we had, so I walked through all of that with the brides and grooms, we'd get them in for tasting if they wanted to, um, some of that, I, I don't, like I don't, I've never planned a wedding, but if you have the opportunity to taste the food you're going to get, wouldn't you go in and taste it, <laughs> not just see yes. what turns up on the day? Yeah, not everyone does. 100% I'd be there. Yeah. I'd have a, a special basket for samples. Ooh. Just pop one in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Tinfoil lined handbag. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only benefit I can see of wedding shows is that you go around and you take all the cake samples. <laughs> that's that's what i learned from working at them just oh can some someone else man the store for a bit i'm just gonna do a wonder and like just go and get cake come back crumbs yeah. all over your face but really happy yeah yeah exactly <laughs> If somebody wanted to be in this industry, how would they get into it? So having experience of being on the floor in hospitality is key because that's how you learn how everything runs and and what timings actually, like how the timings actually work, how to deal with the customer, seeing what they're like on the evening and managing that. because. It, again, lots of people work in hospitality, but it takes a lot to be good in hospitality. You need a huge amount of patience and self-organization um, and just that quick thinking because the unpredictable stuff always happens. So, um, so you have to have that experience and then to, to work yourself then into a sort of organizational role, you need to be able to have that um, uh, the interaction with the client and and have a good uh, be be comfortable with that because yeah at the, when they're planning a wedding it's a huge event and so so you need to be able to sort of reassure them that it's safe in your hands but at, at the bottom of it and I'll probably all the way through this, just keep going back to it. It's those basic admin skills. It's just making sure that what you have said will happen, does happen. 
So it's just thinking, oh, I, who have I got to communicate this to, to make sure that this happens? How am I going to communicate that? It's making sure everything is written down, uh, like everywhere, uh, what the kitchen gets, what the wait staff get, what the clients get, all have the same message and they all know exactly what's going on. So it's just, it's organization skills and it's admin skills. And it's a it really is a great industry to be in because you get to see people's happiest day of their lives like regularly. <laughs> it's like it's cool to be involved with. How much would you get paid in this industry? Do you think? For, that can really really depend. Uh, I it, hospitality on the whole isn't hugely well paid in general. So this was. Because I finished up there maybe, uh, I can't remember how many years ago, six, oh no, four years ago. And I was making less than 50K, but that's, that's a sort of small scale catering company in Rotorua. If you're in, if you're in the big cities, there's the high-end catering and that I, I don't know how how high what you could be earning but I, it would be substantially more than that because if you're if you're good at the job like you, you are worth a lot of money and I, and event plan uh, the, the actual wedding planning so if you're not just looking at the catering side wedding planners can charge a hell of a lot because they're they're just like fairy godmothers or godfathers on the day. Like they they just know where everyone is and who, who to look after, and they just make sure your day is absolutely perfect. So if you're if you're thinking from the financial side, then I'd say more look at um, at the actual event planning rather than the specific industries within. Nice. I know that um, currently. If you're in the event space, you could earn, I think it's between about 72 to 85-ish is the rough bracket for an event coordinator. So I imagine it would be something similar okay. in the wedding space as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you got made redundant. What happened there? And then I got made redundant, yeah. So they stopped doing weddings and so they just did the smaller scale catering which they didn't need me for so first thing i did was work for an events company um because i thought right transferable skills and it, it was an event styling company which so when you have these big corporate gala events it's the people who organize the tables and the chair covers and the centerpieces and all the lighting and the plants flowers and stuff like that so i was there for six months and it was awful <laughs> there was there was partially the thing in that i you realize it was literally just helping big corporates celebrate being big corporates which like you know that i'm a I'm a wannabe hippie <laughs> so and so it really did not fit well with me but I probably would have stayed there longer because I was I was good at it and like the work was um the work was 
fine and because it was stuff that I could do but the bosses were terrible it was run by a husband and wife and it was just it it was the most toxic environment the way that they would speak to each other in front of the staff um it was it we were miserable there were only a few staff there and we were we all could not stand it when they were around because there was such a horrible feeling in the office and eventually I quit with nothing to go to. I was just like, I can't stay here. Yeah. I was just like, I'm going to take a leap of faith and I just quit. Um, okay. Yeah. There's a few strands here that I'd love to talk about a bit further. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you mentioned was that, um, I, I guess it's about values yeah. and drivers and knowing yourself and knowing deep down who you are and what floats your boat. And you acknowledge that you're not a corporate person. Yeah. You're a low-key hippie. <laughs> did you already know that about yourself or did you have to go through this journey to work that out? Yeah, I think it was the first time that I really, really looked at what, as, as my job, not just as something to make money and pay the bills with, but it, it was, it was, five days a week I would be there and I would be I would be miserable whilst I was there and I was just thinking what am I contributing to the world is it this is not this is not what I want my legacy to, <laughs> to be working for something like this so yeah that was probably but because my work before because I'm a food person working in hospitality is always just sat well with me and so I've never I never took the time to reflect on what actually I uh, yeah wh whether it's what I wanted to be when I grew up whereas this I was just like this is this is not what I want my future to be okay so now there's there's two things on the back of that then so the first <laughs> one is how did you get explicit about your values and your needs and where you want to be did you have to do any work about that or was it just kind of like self-learning as you go and reflecting the it's funny the trigger really was me not winning the lottery <laughs> because I, actually i don't know you might even have been in on this there was one time like the the um the lottery winnings had gone up massively and so we got there was like a group of 20 that all pitched in $5 so that we could buy the winning lottery, <laughs> lottery ticket. I and did. I, I did got... do this. Yeah. Oh, I let you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like, the moral of the story wasn't to win the lottery. It was the fact that I actually got so fixated on winning because then I could leave that job. And I just got, I got really, really excited about it. And when we didn't win the lottery for some reason, I was like, man, that I still have to be at this job. This was my chance to get out. And so then I was just like, no, 
okay, this is not a healthy thing. So yeah, that's that's how I, that's what triggered me setting my values. It was not winning the locker room. What a wake up call, hey. <laughs> I talk a little bit with people about yeah. people being driven by pleasure or pain at the root of it. So either, I love this, I want more of it. So we yeah. talk about cake and the wedding. Uh, place and you go around yeah oh this is nice cake i'm gonna do do another lap i'm gonna do more of that or i hate this i don't want to do it anymore so our actions are quite often linked to pleasure and pain and so what a stark wake up to realizing that i really really don't like this and the thought of not having to go and daydreaming about all the possibilities of what your life could look like if you weren't working there and all of the things you could be doing instead that was your soul voice coming through that was your true alignment stuff coming through and a lot of people don't make the space for that they don't give themselves the time to think about what would my life be what could it look like if i wasn't doing the thing that was taking all of me even if I took back a little bit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's completely the thing though. And I think it's only because I was in such a miserable position that yeah, that made made me reassess and properly assess what if, what I wanted. If it wasn't as bad, if it was only like half as bad, do you think you would have stuck it out? I think I would have stayed longer because I didn't like the idea of on my CV only having six months at a place. And so you sort of feel, yeah, you feel you should stay there for a year and at least and just to show willingness. Yeah, I I think I would have stayed on. Interesting, eh? That you would do something that's incredibly lacklustre if it wasn't as bad for the sake of a CV. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. I know. You've got contractors, you've got all sorts going off. And as long as I believe anyway, as long as you can communicate your reasons and your motives and what your needs are and what wasn't being met respectfully, whether you're talking to your current employer that you're leaving or a future employer that you're trying to join, it can still work out for you. And you don't need to be weighed down by the, I should be doing this for a year. I should be doing that. No, that we haven't got time for shoulds because that's your mental health and your happiness and all of the good stuff you could be doing on the other side. People think about, I can't do this because I'm going to lose X, Y, Z. What are you going to lose if you don't do it? Yeah, it is. It's 100% that. Isn't it interesting? So the next thing is, how did you organize your exit? because there's a few different ways you can do it. How did you do it? This is the bit that is less relatable in that I was lucky that through um, various circumstances, I I was a homeowner by then. And my partner at the time uh, had said that I could stay at his house over summer whilst I Airbnb'd my house. So I knew I had a buffer of being able to get income through my Airbnb in my house for, for, I think it was a month or so, I'd be able to do that whilst I was figuring stuff out. So that's, yeah, that was, that's what, where I I was in a fortunate 
position to do that. But then um, the the other thing, I guess, that working at that place is because I'd, I'd felt incredibly undervalued. I, I, I knew I had, well, I'd, it was actually in that job I came to realize I had all these skills and it is just like the admin and organizational skills, but I had these skills and they weren't being used at all. Like they were so underusing me. And like I, I've done lot, I'd done lots of writing and um, websites, uh, writing up websites through through my hobbies and stuff. <laughs> like for choirs, I've I've created web websites and stuff. I had all of that, and they they wouldn't let me near the social media or the website. That all had to be the lady whose company it was. Um, and so working there, I'd I'd come to realize the skills that I had that wasn't being valued. So that gave me the confidence to think, actually, no, I can go out there and put myself forward as a, a contractor to because I can do all of these little bits and bobs. And so that's exactly what I did do. I um, there was a um, shared workspace that I approached and said can you advertise me as a admin for hire and I got a couple of little bits and bobs with that but then also I was like oh yeah no I've got that maths degree maybe I could do a bit of maths tutoring and I managed to do that get get a bit of work doing that so I it was it was confidence in myself and yeah having had the chance to know what about myself I could push and that that actually was valuable that that started it off yeah what a journey so so we start with like acknowledgement of your personal circumstances and that's really important when you're planning a career transition because at the end of the day you need to make sure you're covering your bases right you're going to be safe bills all those kind of things people shy away from talking about money but money is so important Money itself is by the by, but it's I guess it's what the money can do. And there's certain things that we need to take care of. It's the yeah. security. Yeah, exactly that. Some people have got families, huge mortgages, credit card, like all sorts of things. So sometimes just that cold exit isn't the right one. So it does pay to, I guess, dig into your personal circumstances and maybe do some financial auditing on that as well. Um, you can use a simple tracker. I've got one. I'll link it in the show notes if you want to download it for free. Um, and then there's the acknowledgement of your skills and getting clarity around this is what I can do. And that exercise is actually really empowering because all of a sudden you're like, no, I can do these things. These things are useful. These things are valuable. Where are the people that need to utilize these skills? And then you got a bit savvy and you did your networking thing. You landed yourself some contracts and it snowballs from there. And I guess the more contracts you get, the more your confidence builds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And because uh, you do, I think, I'm assuming everyone, but maybe it's, it's just people with um, imposter syndrome. But I think everyone feels they're blagging at the start because I, I went, suddenly I was asking for I think I started off asking for $45 an hour which was something I'd never never earned before but people don't care when they're contracting because it 
what they might have you work for five hours a week and so they're just like yep sure i'll pay that much like and um but so when you start off you're just like oh my gosh people will actually pay me for this and then but then you do the work and you get good feedback and you're like yeah no turns out i am worth this i just had to put a price on it put a price on it so there's actually a model so for people that are thinking about going contracting or starting a side gig it sounds like you might have accidentally have done this model and it's called the step model so you start at the bottom and you come up with a number that you're kind of comfortable with that you feel good about saying to people because that's important you don't want to be like uh, 45 dollars you want to be like 45 dollars this is the price otherwise no one's going to go for you so you land on that first one and then that's you're like testing the market are people actually going to pay this or am i overshooting here so you come up with that comfortable figure and then from there you might go up a step i'm going to go 50 dollars now so that's a little bit of a stretch a little bit of the comfort zone but it's not ludicrous and then you might be like right okay i'm going to go 60 dollars now and then you start testing the market and the beauty of it is nobody's telling you that oh you need to charge this you need to charge that this is like your energetics coming through your your confidence your empowerment your acknowledgement all coming together and also it pulls in like your values so if you're that person that's not like financially driven or a money driven person you might be like right i would rather charge less and work for non-for-profits i'm going to work for charities and organizations i'm going to work for meaningful stuff i know that they don't have much of a budget. So I'm going to keep my price low so I can work with those guys because that's what's really important to me. Or you can go the other way and be like, now I'm going to milk the corporates, man. $200 an hour, let's go. Someone's going to pay. <laughs> you just need one yes. There's also that thing of if people are paying more, then people quite often feel more satisfied because they felt they've got a higher quality, like a more premium service. It's an investment. So it, it works both ways, yeah. It's not a Big Mac. Yeah, because so, if if you had someone do, do a job and you'd either pay them $30 an hour or $100 an hour, if both ones, they've done a good job, you feel the one you've paid $100, they've done, like you feel like it's a superior product. <laughs> We'll roll with that. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me where you are now. So we're still contracting. How long have you been doing it for now? So that was um, end of 2019 that I started. Wow. Um, yeah. And one of the jobs I picked up, which was just before COVID lockdowns, so March 2020, was for the New Zealand Geothermal Association. So this started off at 10 hours a week and it, I got the job because um, a friend of ours uh, happened to be the president of the NZGA. <laughs> and when the admin role was coming up there, he knew to approach me about it. And I think I haven't, I haven't ever asked him and I should have done, but I think it's actually because of my presence on LinkedIn at the time. So at the time I was making sure to just post regularly. I was posting regularly um, since I'd been made redundant and, and just 
just posting about all sorts, just about, yeah, it, just making sure to just have a constant presence there. And it was because of that, I think, that he knew that I was in the admin world. And so he approached me and said, well, <laughs> he said, there's this job going. So I was like, cool. And then he was like, oh, no, you have to apply for it. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> so it's not contracting? But then I ended up getting it. Oh, no, it is contracting still. Like I had to, yeah. Um, oh, so it's like tendering but, for the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that was at the time 10 hours a week. And basically, my hours with them have increased. And, and because they pay well, it's quite good. It's the energy sector. And so because you've got all the oil and gas ones that pay huge amounts, they sort of have to have comparative wages for the rest of the energy sector. Um, and so, yeah, I've ended up uh, dropping everything else and that's that's my one job. And yeah, and that's where I am today. So that's the that's the journey I've gone that's on. That's awesome. So what rate are you on now? So if, if yeah. we want to ring Jess and be like, Jess, I've got some work. Like legit, I actually do need some work. You were talking about it. I'm like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if Jess can help me. <laughs> What's your rate? <laughs> You know what? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's about fifty-seven dollars an hour, but they do because they contract. So I do because they pay well. I only work twenty-two hours a week, but that's uh, that's so just over sixty grand um, salary. Nice. So, yeah and because um i then have my house as a rental because i live in my partner's house that's that's the rest of my income just so, living that yeah. crazy life it's a pretty nice setup <laughs> yeah yeah i'm incredibly lucky like and to think think how miserable i was in 2019 with that awful job and just not knowing what to do and then it's just like, yeah, the universe has said, all right, all right, we'll sort you out, Jess. And uh, yeah, I've ended up in just a really wonderful position uh, working for like working in geothermal, which is a renewable energy saving the planet. It aligns well with me. And I've yeah, I've just fallen into a really what cool does space. A day in the life look like for you currently when you're working. Not when you're like your day off, your twenty hours. When I'm a week, working, like, lucky lady. <laughs> well, yeah, I've learned it's actually better to just have cruisy days rather than have a day off. So I start by walking the dog, and then I can start work. So it's it's working from home because it's it's only me and my chief executive. So it's it's sort of, sort of got a startup vibe to it in that it's we we just do everything it's the it's the two of us figuring stuff out together we do have a board we report to but in terms of the on the ground work it's us so um so my role technically is board coordinator but this has grown so it's it's lots of 
admin, as in dealing with members' questions and connecting the right people and um, organizing board meetings. Minutes, I hate doing minutes. We have these four qu quarterly um, all-day board meetings, which then writing up the minutes for that is like 12 pages of typed <laughs> That's possibly my least, least favorite part of the job. Um, so I'm doing that, but then I also do the social media side. So it's getting social media posts mainly on LinkedIn. Um, it's the sort of organization where that's that's the best, but we also do have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, I uh, write monthly newsletters, so it's compiling the information for that. New new life hack I've oh, learned so is eh? to get AI to write the newsletter articles. So I can't rely on it completely, but like I no longer have writer's block because if I can't think of the words to say, I get AI to write it and then take little bits and pieces and then write with my own style around that. Um, and then I've also taken on the accounts side of things, which is like the basic invoicing and um, uh and yeah getting the bills paid so it's it's so good because it's i i can like i can use the different parts of my brain and if i'm not feeling particularly like answering emails then i can do a update to the website or like i can i've got so many ways and because because I've proved myself as being reliable and getting being able to get the work done, that's that's such a crucial thing because then you um, pe people trust you to just do the job well. I like I enjoy doing the job well, but it just means that like I can take a like I can start work at one p.m. and <laughs> take the whole morning off. Nobody knows because it's just my chief executive I'm working with. But but also the the business carries on and um and like everyone's happy. So it's just it, I because there is definitely the thing about balancing your work life with your mental health. But it's also making sure that you're at a stage in your work life that that you can't it's 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 a balance but if if you take the onus to be responsible for your work and and do it to a good level then you get so much more flexibility and that's that's what i've done sort of improving myself as a contractor and people just trust me now and it it just makes a work environment just really really great for me i like the work life balance that 20 hours sounds pretty good <laughs> it's, it's pretty good <laughs> do you have any advice for anyone that's either in that headspace of i'm not happy in my job yeah it's it's working out why aren't you happy because if you're if you're not happy just because you're you're struggling with working in general then maybe that's something you've got to look about your your actual life and your home life and and whether it's 
something bigger than that but if you can see in your work what you're not liking like whether it's the yeah the environment the the sector um the uh yeah the the people you work with the clients you work with um or not not being good at your job like you've got to have like some really really frank conversations with yourself and work it out and and don't just think don't just think i don't enjoy my work but nobody enjoys their work everyone just is always looking forward to the weekend and, and that's everyone you really need to think about if you've if you've got all this time you're doing in your whole lifetime you spend so much time at work so you really need to work out what makes you tick and um yeah what your priorities are hmm. good food for thought there what advice have you got for people who are trying to recognize their skills and build their confidence have you got any tips for people on how to do that Hard to know um, because everyone's so different, but so I can only speak from my own experience. But I think I, I'm assuming it's the same. The stuff that you're good at is the stuff that you enjoy. And so you, if you think about what part of your work life you actually sort of look forward to or yeah the the bits that really resonate with you then that that should tell you what you should be focusing on more and yeah i read recently that you need to listen to those things so when you're going through your daily life you have to pay attention to the things that you're like i love this all the things that you're like, I really hate this, because the things that peak up in those moments, they're your needs. They're your needs that are being met and your needs that aren't being met. So if, yeah. if you're going home at the end of the day going, I'm so tired, I've been working all these hours, that's a need that's not being met. You're working too many hours. Yeah. You need to scale it back somewhere. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't covered so far that you'd like to share so uh, so i said the nzga is is it's that startup atmosphere and i know that if i were in a larger company i would not be able to have a have this job because i'm taking on what in a larger company there would be someone doing the social media there would be someone doing the accounts um and so it's so when you're looking for a role, it's also good to keep in mind stuff like that, which you don't automatically think of. But the size of the company, think think of: Do you want to be someone who gets pulled in to fill the gaps in something that isn't actually your job role? Is it, is that something that you want to do? In which case, you should. Um, you should look for a smaller company or do you want to have like have your job stick to that stay in your lane you'll probably fit in better in like a, a larger company in a corporate maybe like you've really but yeah that 
So there's so much to factor in with <laughs> job because it's not just the wage, it's not just the job title, it's not just the company. It's yeah, the size of it and and who you'll be working with. That's such a good point. I guess it helps to do your research into the organisations. What reputation have they got? What's their culture like? How are they organised? And you can do that during interview and you can do that before an interview as well. You can even do that before you even apply. So it'd be using things like LinkedIn, talking to people, finding out who works there, what are their jobs like, all sorts of things. Find out. Somebody yeah. knows somebody all the time. And if you don't know anybody, you can message them on LinkedIn. I've done it a whole bunch of times. That's how I got my job. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, Jess, thank you so much for coming to the show, on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you here. And it's been really interesting hearing about all of your, like, things that you've been doing throughout your journey, but also how you did it. I think there's so many people out there that do these big life transitions and they're just doing it. They're not really thinking about it. But I feel like you've got this other layer of self-awareness, which has been really valuable because in the education space, we're so reflective, sometimes too reflective, too much in our head. <laughs> and we need to like work things out. So it's really great to have your intel around what you've been doing and how you've been doing it. I think it's going to be really useful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been good. And it's got me all excited about my work all over again. <laughs> yes, that's what it's yeah. about. Be proud of what you're doing. Be proud of what you have achieved. It takes a lot of strength to go, this isn't working. I'm going to make a change. And then to make that change and go it yourself. You're contracting. You work for yourself. Yeah. It takes a lot of confidence, a lot of bravery. Well done. Thanks, Kimmy. We will see you later. I'm going to stop recording. Hang on, I think I might do a proper like sign off, like a proper like thank you, Jess. And it rambled on a little bit. Um, so thank you so much, Jess, for coming on the show. It's been awesome to have you on the show. No, fuck it, doing it again. This is what happens when I overthink what I want to say. <laughs> and then you now not, you're stuck here witnessing can it. Can you not record? <laughs> <laughs> you not record more? Yes, but I want you to be like. like thanks for having me it's been great okay thanks so much for coming on the show Jess it's been awesome to hear your story and learn a little bit about your journey and get a bit of insight into how you can make that transition out of one career into the other one it's been awesome thanks Kimmy I've really enjoyed it <laughs> sorry so if you found inspiration from this podcast, let me know. You can drop me an email on hello at pivotpeople.co.nz. Alternatively, you might be in that same mind frame where you're like, I know I want more for myself, but I don't know what it is and I don't know how to get there. Send me an email. This is what we do. We help teachers reconnect with their careers. So again, in case you missed it the first time around, you can email me on hello at pivotpeople.co.nz. Dot and Z.